Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds from the Lee County Extension Office. And uh, harvest time is here. It is here. Sunshine also. Uh, and I know we say this every year, but be careful. There's tractors and trucks and slow-moving vehicles and yep. and people having fun on hay rides and everything That's else. Right. So please be careful along these uh, county roads and state roads and things like that where there could be uh, ingress and egress coming onto highways and county roads and and every year we have an accident, it seems like, and uh, this is a, a wonderful time of the year, and, and we want everybody just to be safe. Exactly. And, and Gary, as you mentioned, make sure if you're doing some hay rides and having some young people out, I mean, a lot of people, it's a great opportunity to enjoy the outdoor and outdoors. Make sure you do have those flashing lights on the back of the wagons and also on the truck or the tractor. On the combines... Make sure that we're blowing the trash off the combines. A good blow, a leaf blower works extremely well. Make sure that the fire extinguishers are well charged. And I think, in general, I'd just simply say that the yields have been a little better than expected. Had quite a few farmers call me this week and say, Hey, Bob, this is how the corn's going. This is what wow. the yield is. So That's encouraging. I was um, driving around a little bit uh, uh, this week and, and noticed uh, quite a bit of corn being picked. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say it uh, that I, I thought it looked real well, but you, what you're telling me is the moisture contents are are uh, very good. And uh, but I noticed a lot of green uh, stalks. That's right. That were even being uh, processed at that time. That's right. We've been surprised, even for many of us who've been around a while. Uh, some of the stalks still have quite a bit of green in them, but uh, the moisture content on the grain has been pretty low, and so we're seeing quite a bit of that uh, crop being harvested. We, we like corn to come, if it were an ideal world, it would come out of the field at about 15% moisture content. Uh-huh. That's not, you know, those that situate. A lot of times we harvest corn in the mid-20s, but I'm hearing that uh, much of this corn is 17, 17, 18% moisture content, and we can handle that with some just very light air drying and uh, not very expensive. One thing we're really saying to farmers is make sure, harvest the crop as soon as you can, because we think that the stock quality, due to the high temperatures and also the fact that we we're really short on moisture and lost quite a bit of nitrogen um, last spring, it's a great idea to harvest this crop before we get a heavy wind on it. Is uh, silage good this year? We have seen a few of our dairy producers um, harvesting some of the, the corn that was planted a little bit later. Uh, we don't do too much of that. Mm-hmm. Everything, we just don't have quite the number of dairy farms that right. we used to have, nor beef producers that we used and to. And beans I've seen all over from some very short, yeah. very brown, very dry, to some uh, average-looking or yeah. above-average-looking. Uh, but yeah. some of them are pretty short. Pretty short. And we really haven't started harvest on the soybeans yet to know how we're, how we're going to turn out, but right. uh, we're anxious to see. Going to take a break for a word for our sponsors, and we'll be back with Let's Get Growing. This is Cindy Haynes with a Garden Calendar Minute. Don't you just love the colors of fall? Have you ever wondered how leaves change colors? Fall color is the result of the changing balance of three different pigments in the leaf. Chlorophyll, the pigment that makes plants green, dominates in the leaves during the growing season. Since chlorophyll is essential for plant growth, it is not surprising that it masks other pigments at this time. There are other classes of pigments in leaves, particularly ones called carotenoids. These yellow or orange pigments are responsible for the color of carrots and daffodil flowers. 
Another class of pigments called anthocyanins produce the red or purple colors found in red apple or grape skins. Both of these pigments are present in leaves in many woody plants in fall. As the days get shorter, less chlorophyll is produced in the leaf, so the other pigments are revealed. The intensity of color depends on the weather, of course, but regardless of the weather, you don't want to miss it, so get outdoors and enjoy. For Iowa State University Horticulture Extension, I'm Cindy Haynes. Excuse me, sir, what is it you have there? It's a chainsaw. Well, it looks like a box to me. There's a chainsaw inside. Ah, yes. Is that a light-duty or heavy-duty box? I mean, chainsaw in a box. I don't know. The box doesn't say. Well, could you ask someone? Customer service in here? Are you joking? No, sir. I don't joke about chainsaws, and neither should you. Obviously, it's time for you to get serious. Echo Chainsaws are professional grade, carry a 300-hour EPA rating, and a five-year consumer warranty. See your local Echo dealer at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. We don't sell boxes. We sell chainsaws. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company, and uh, this is the time of year where we've got some nice weather outside, finally get over that hot stuff, getting a little bit of rain, time to get out and get something done. And Gate City Seed, of course, has the grass seed to thicken in that lawn that's been suffering this whole summer long. And uh, best selection, best prices, of course, available at Gate City Seed, and flower bulbs are in. A little bit early to plant them, but we've got a great selection available, and we have a whole complete section just for uh, deer-proof bulbs. Very important this season. Come and see us at 824 Main in Keokuk. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. We want to thank everybody for tuning in each Saturday morning. What a wonderful week we've had and, uh, of course, beautiful temperatures and and uh, just about it catches everybody. We're, yeah, we hit exactly. the 80s and uh, yet we hit the 40s and 50s, I think, That's right. in the evenings. We want to take a moment, if we can, and just thank our sponsors, KSB Bank here in Keokuk. Along with KSB Insurance, uh, Gate City Seed, longtime uh, supporter of Let's Get Growing. I want to thank Paul and, and the group down there on Main Street in Keokuk. Phelps Insurance and Donaldson, what a great sponsor they've been and stayed with us over the years, along with Armstrong Small Engine out there in Donaldson. Steve and the company just does a great job. And, and of course, uh, Dan the Man, he's uh, exactly. out there, too, exactly. uh, with his mom. And, and uh, Dan's kind of come back around uh, uh, during the fall uh, uh, on Tuesdays and kind of help us, helping us out again here at the station. So it's kind of good to have him back, too. Exactly. I, I saw him at the station the other day. It was good to see him back. Gary. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh, want to thank our sponsors. And certainly you get an opportunity to stop in, tell them uh, thanks for sponsoring Let's Get Growing. And exactly. each year it depends on our sponsors and, yeah. and of course, Bob Dodds. Well, we appreciate the extension. <laughs> appreciate you letting us come, Gary. And, I echo what you're saying about our sponsors. They've been such longtime supporters, and, and we appreciate that opportunity. It gives us a chance to come down and listen or speak with our listeners and, and share some ideas with them. I have so much today that I want to share. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, sign up for uh, Shimmick Forestry Field Day is going extremely well. Remember, first 150 people right. get to attend for free. And uh, I checked at the Lee County office today, and uh, well, Friday. And uh, about uh, 100 people signed up, so we've got plenty of room. I'm not saying that, but um, do sign up if you'd like to. It'll be a great day. We're talking about uh, what's happening in the woodlands. We're talking about um, uh, value of timber. Hard to beat Chimic Forest. It is. And it I have is to tell so you, fun. before we go too far, too far, too far, fur, I'm, far. S- I'm teasing <laughs> you. Uh, spent some time in Chimic. Good. Last weekend. Oh, yes. On the back of a mule. I forgot. We went horseback riding. Was it a good experience? Oh, I had a ball. Had, is, it was wonderful. 
Did you stay on or? Oh yeah, I never never fell off once. I was proud of myself. <laughs> Good thing. Too. Did you I guys bought... camp or? No, cook? no, no. We just went for a, just went for a, a, ride. a guided tour. A ride, awesome. And, and it was. I encourage everyone. Good. You know, we 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 get away from our local areas when we go on vacation and we do right. things. And uh, this is something quick. Yeah. You know, right here in uh, Farmington Donaldson area. You know. Right. And it's a great time to spend with your families, and you can go. It's, uh, you know, relatively inexpensive yeah. and a wonderful time to spend yep. outdoors. It even rained a little bit on Sunday, but we didn't We didn't. Well, care. good, good. We had a good time. Well, good. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, it's so good, Gary, to support our local businesses. Absolutely. And, and uh, there's so much to, to do right here locally. Yeah, it's yeah. just a lot it's of fun. It's crazy so. that, uh, you know, we spend so much time out of our area, and we don't Exactly. Take uh, yep. Taking the guys, kind of angry at myself about not knowing. I know that uh, those those trail rides are available, and I mean, I kind of knew it, but I just exactly we didn't have the opportunity to do. Well, it. Thanks, but, uh, thanks. We will go again many times. That's great. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate that. Um, Gary, a couple of things I want to talk. Okay, so we spoke about Shemek Forestry Field Day, and make sure and sign up, and uh, just give uh, Kathy a call at the Lee County Extension Office, and she can help you with that. Also want to mention, even though it's in Henry County, Operation Relief, October 15th. Talk to Lynn Hunsaker. Lynn's chairing that for us this year. Um, and uh, tree sales are going, or people calling in about it, even though it's the first time we've had it in Henry County ever or a very long time. Um, uh, people have been calling, and we probably have about, out of the 150 trees, probably about 120 are spoken for. And this will be on the old Thrasher's uh, can't, uh, old Thrasher grounds, so a lot of us have been there before, so it'll be very easy to find, and we welcome you to call the Henry County Extension Office to learn more about that. Janet Smith is our family specialist here in Lee County, and Janet works in both Lee and Henry, but Janet asked if I would take just a couple of minutes to mention some programs that are available. Uh, before we went through reorganization, we had an opportunity to speak at a lot of schools and a lot of clubs, and we enjoyed it, and, and we'd like to ask that they re-invite us if they would, um, either myself or, or Janet as well. But a couple of them that I thought uh, that Janet asked me to mention was uh, Caregiving Relationships, Conversations in Aging. It's a two-part program for adult children who are supporting an aging uh, caregiver parent. Also, another program is called the Family Storyteller, and uh, this is an excellent program. Uh, highlights a our early literacy program that increases parent and child interaction and expands children's interest in books. Another one is, is um, we talk about this often on our program, but it's Spend Smart, Eat Smart. This is an, a web-based program. Um, also, Food Safety for Volunteers. This is a one- to two-hour training on the basics of food safety. Excellent program. Janet does a very nice job with that. And there's a, about four or five other programs and, uh, again, you can contact the Lee County Extension Office, and they can put you in contact with Janet Smith. But just And that's just a beginning of the families programs that are available. I have to say, when I was in Lee County on uh, Wednesday, there was a lot of calls coming in. There is so much interest from our local schools about local foods. And a lot of our students are working on that, whether they're in the Talented and Gifted program or even uh, or just um, during the regular classroom. But... On food safety, 
uh, where does our food come from? And in fact, uh, about the uh, first week, I think it's October 6th, we'll be out at uh, the Johnson Farm for the first graders for Kiaka. There you go. Yeah. And so we'll That's be talking about local time. food. It is great. We bring in a lot of great volunteers who's, who share uh, the story uh, about uh, local foods and, and where our food comes from. So, so uh, it's we're real looking special forward for to that. you to have those first graders since yours are off. You know, away and exactly, and yeah. So you haven't had children running around the house for a few years. That's right. That's right. Yep. So this is just kind of like a, it's fun. You get to redo this every it, year. It's just great. It's just you forget <laughs> how, you know, you forget how just how oh, much so those amazing. kids know, right. and and right. it, it's great to hear the conversation. So, and they do grow up quick. You're exactly right, Absolutely. Gary. So, um, a couple of things that I wanted to mention. This morning, and this is just going to be a lot of fun things. Um, uh, this is uh, kind of a survey that was done by some acreage owners, and Betsy Freeze did this, and, and there's, it's just fun to look at. But they were asked, what are the tough, 10 toughest things to do on an acreage? And I looked down the list, and I think a lot of these topics we've talked about on the radio, and I thought I'd just share these. Number one is removing invasive trees. And we've talked a lot about trees and weeds and, and controlling weeds and trees. And, you know, the old saying goes, uh, a weed is simply a plant that's out of place. Or some people would say it's a plant that we haven't determined a use for. But it is true. Controlling all this uh, shrubs and, and, and um, uh, brush can, can be a real challenge. Dealing with deer was number two on the list, and I think we can all relate to controlling deer and keeping them out of our hostas is often a big challenge. It's not necessarily confined to acreages either. No, I, I, sh- I, should, I didn't mean, I guess, an acreage or, or even a city lot in downtown in a city can, can be a challenge. The mall. Exactly. <laughs> um, building and maintaining fences is a, is a challenge, and that's true. That is. And fences serve lots it's of great so functions. But so important. Keeping them straight. Keeping the posts up, keeping the paint on them, if they're not uh, permanent uh, colored fences, uh, can be a real challenge. Clearing junk. One man spent years hauling old vehicles out of his woods. But, you know, I was thinking about that as I looked at that, and I thought, I think he or she were probably handsomely rewarded. If the timing was right, they did well. Exactly. Because what has steel uh, in the last few years, Gary? Oh, my. Yeah, it's just when it... Through the roof. It really has. A lot of our metals have become very, uh, have gone up in, in but cost. But it's amazing greatly. how much is still setting around. It is. And, you know, I don't know what it is today, but I've heard people talk as much as $185 a ton or $200 right. a ton. If you want to sort it and lengthen it and things like that, I mean, there's some real money there. So I thought to myself, you know, in fact, I had a farmer say to me, he said, you know, Bob, I bought a new trailer just to, just to I had some time just to get rid of some of these uh, old pieces of machinery sitting around. He sure. says, I think I'm going to pay for the new trailer. That's what, <laughs> he's, that's what he said. A lot of stuff sitting on the ground. Exactly. So, and then, copper and your metals and things like oh that my. just went through the roof. And exactly. I don't think you can have I don't think there's a farm in the United States of America that doesn't have a sort bin. That's right. Where they keep their copper and brass and things like that. So. That's exactly right. Number five was controlling weeds, and I think this year, as I look at the giant ragweed, and I look at, uh, well, it just seems like these the weeds have been the only thing that's grown, so that's been quick. And number six is managing ponds. Seven is improving pastures. Man- number eight would be managing creeks and ditches. Nine, establishing native grasses. And ten, 
the toughest thing was dealing with neighbors, and I was kind of surprised at that. But Me that was too. number ten on the list. Yeah, obviously they must not, not have neighbor. us for for right. us for neighbors, <laughs> right, Gary? We're gonna okay. take a break here. Word for our sponsors. We'll be back with Let's Get Growing. Hunt is on for that perfect pumpkin. And joining me is Linda Nay from Ryman Gardens. And Linda, how do you know when a pumpkin's ready to be picked? Well, when you go out to the pumpkin farm, which is a great place to find a pumpkin, um, look for one that's fully colored. This, like this one, is fully orange, and this one is fully white, depending on the type of pumpkin you're selecting. Um, a fully colored means it's ripe and mature and ready for picking. Now, some people prefer a little green stripe in it for the effect when they carve that jack-o'-lantern, but that may not last as long because it's not quite ripe and mature. So we're looking for one also that has a nice woody stem like this because that's another sign of maturity and you shouldn't be able to pierce the skin with your fingernail. A good uh, mature pumpkin has a nice firm skin that'll keep it for a long time. Okay, any other suggestions we should know? Well, one thing you want to not uh, you want to avoid is any one that has blemish like this uh, would have insect or disease problems. That really shortens the lifespan of that pumpkin and if you buy it a few weeks ahead for display and then maybe by Halloween it might be rotten. So mm, okay. select a good pumpkin that has no blemishes on the outside. So regardless if you have a little one or a big one, select just that perfect pumpkin. Then when you go to take it home, make sure you pick it up from the base. And All right. Pick it up from the base and don't grab it by the stem. Stem is likely to break off. But if it does, you can just fix it with some toothpicks through the top. When you get it home, wash it off with a mild soapy water to get rid of the soil residue and eat uh, disease-causing organisms that might be there, and you're ready to go. Now, how long do they last once you carve them? Once you carve them, they don't last very long, only a few days. So time that when you buy your pumpkin and carve it just a few days before Halloween. If it's warm, they will rot faster. All right, thanks. And if you would like more information on pumpkins, be sure to log on to our websites. For Gardening in the Zone, I'm Liz Gilman. Excuse me, sir. Yes. What do you have there? An echo chainsaw. And did you buy it in a box? No, it was assembled and in-serviced by a trained and knowledgeable staff before I bought it. And how is it rated? Well, the echo trained small engine professional with 30 years experience told me it was rated by the EPA at 300 hours and it has a five-year warranty. You're kidding. No, sir. I got serious. I got an Echo. Echo. Only professional grade. Stop joking around. Ask about Echo Outdoor Power Equipment at Armstrong Small Engine. Two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start Start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. We were kind of visiting a little <laughs> bit about uh, one of the issues with uh, uh, neighbors and properties and things like that. And, and, you know, sometimes things tend to get under our skin a little bit. Maybe uh, something at work didn't go the best or uh, one of the tractors broke or something and you're kind of in a bad mood or whatever. Just... Uh, Time kind of heals a lot of things. It does. So it does. Just Tolerance, take a deep, patience, deep breath, and and think about it. See if it's really worth having a problem. That's exactly right, Gary. Well, Gary, I wanted to talk a little bit about we we kind of touched on this in the past, but I wanted to mention to um, people who maybe have some acreages or some woodlands or or even live on a farm. Uh, there are some really nice tips for planting a windbreak and we've talked a lot about how much energy trees can save for us but windbreaks really do add a lot of value to our property and especially if they're designed properly 
And I would just say that Iowa State University Extension has some wonderful publications on designing windbreaks and what trees should go into windbreaks. But also, I want to want to mention that the NRCS, the Soil Conservation Service, has some funding available to help establish windbreaks, and they also will do some design work, just like Extension will. A couple of key tips. Windbreaks need to have both trees and shrubs to be effective. And we use the shrubs on the outside, and this kind of helps the wind to start to move up and then hopefully up and over our homestead. We put the, the shrubs on the outside, then we bring trees in, and, and this helps uh, add the, divert the wind direction even higher. And so we want to make sure that when we design that, we have, again, shrubs, little taller shrubs, medium-sized tree, taller tree, and, and this is kind of how we would put the windbreak together. Um, also, we want to keep the, the species in the windbreaks very diverse. That way, if we have something like the emerald ash borer that breaks out, or what we don't even know five, ten years from now, it won't take out the whole windbreak. So we'll mix some trees in, in the different rows and try to add some beauty to it as well. And we, we think that enhances even the wildlife a little bit. Most important, though, especially the last few years when we've had some really wet soil conditions, we want to make sure that we're matching the tree species with the soil type that we have. And it used to be that we always spoke about the Lee County Soil Survey, and it's an excellent reference. Um, the supervisors paid for it to have it done. I mean, it was a cost-share program between the NRCS, or those days the Soil Conservation Service, and the Board of Supervisors. And I think it's up for renewal, and I know there's been some discussions ongoing about updating that. I will say those books are still available. There's a few around at the Soil Conservation Service and the Lee County Extension Service, but also now it's all available digital uh, on a C, on a on a DVD or a CD disc, and so you can also access this on the internet as well. But that's very important to look up what kind of soils you have, where you live, so that you can match trees with soils. And what did I mean by the last two years? conifers have really struggled with the wet soil conditions in the springs and so we're seeing some problems with that and so you want to give some thought to what type of soils the drainage the fertility level all of those things go into matching trees with shrubs and either extension or nrcs are more than happy to help you with that Um, again we like to um, match windbreaks with the with the the site a minimum of three rows Two rows with conifers, one row with shrubs, adding extra rows, of course, will increase how effective that windbreak can be. You want to make sure and prepare for planting. This is something that you want to plan for well in advance. Control the weeds before you plant your windbreak because weeds will definitely compete with trees and shrubs for moisture and nutrients. And we've talked a lot about mulching on our program, and we need to mulch, especially... um, as variable as our weather has been in the last couple of years. We want to mulch those new trees into, as we put them in. Create a maintenance plan. It's so important to make sure and water those trees for probably three years to really get them established. That would include watering, fertilizing, and sometimes applying a herbicide if we need to to control the weeds. And watch out for common mistakes. Um, 
As conifers and deciduous trees mature, they will self-prune if their branches touch each other. Problems can occur if the windbreak is not designed to extend beyond the area needing protection. So what I'm trying to say is make sure that there are some very simple things. Again, making sure that we have the right spacings on those trees. Make sure that we have them in the right location. Make sure we have a good plan to start with. Make sure that we have mulch available. All of those things come into that, and those are some common mistakes. And there's a really great website, the Iowa State Extension. You can go, and there's some publications on our website, but also www.nrcs.usda.gov is another nice website to take a look at windbreaks. And they'll talk to you about cost share and and what they will actually pay for. And when you're establishing windbreaks, of course, then you have the issue of being on the east side of the property or the north side of the property. And so many times uh, they don't grow as well on the exactly. north side. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So and having your soil tested and everything, making sure those conditions are the best. So the old thing of infrastructure. Exactly. Make sure that that is uh, taken care of first. Exactly. Exactly. And as you mentioned, Gary, even things like, okay, here's the driveway. We want to make sure that the trees do not... Uh, impede the vision coming out of your driveway so it causes an accident. We want to make sure that we're kind of planning for that and thinking about that. And those are things that... Or the runoff of lime off of the driveway. Exactly. And if we have pin oaks in there and we, right. we're on a gravel road, will that increase the soil pH? And then the pin oaks will, will get up to about 10 foot and then we'll have all kinds of problems. So and all those last things... But li- last but not least, sure. look up. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Gary. And we talked a little bit about that too. You know, planting those trees in the right spot. Those, yeah. That mistake. It we want to keep like, that oak out from underneath uh, that power line. That's a that great. This point. makes me crazy when I'm driving around and I see see somebody has planted a beautiful little tree, and then exactly. right above it is a power line. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we've all seen where the where the power company has tried to respect that individual's sure. um, wishes. And so they take all they have is a couple of limbs out each side, right. and the power lines going right. right through the middle. I oh. know it's it's a very good point, Gary. Exactly. A couple other things we've talked a little bit earlier in the season about wiring our trailers and how we take care of trailers and making sure lighting is proper. Um, this is the time of year when maybe we even look at maybe trading a livestock trailer or trading a trailer to haul some equipment. There's some things to look for. Number one is durability. Now, always, um, and not to endorse them, but the Trailer Manufacturers Organization is something that represents all the manufacturers. And that symbol is NATM, and that's a good decal to take a look for because this is placed on trailers, uh, the tongue of a trailer. It's a voluntary compliance program, but it tests the manufacturing process of trailers to ensure that the trailer meets federal safety regulations and has accepted the industry standards and trailers. Uh, trailer companies who pass this test can display that decal and as proof of their certification. Check the gross weight vehicle uh, weight rating, and that's called the GVWR. And the manufacturer assigns each trailer a GVWR, which includes the weight of the actual trailer and the maximum payload capacity. So take a look and see what that is. Find out how much weight you can load in your trailer, subtract the weight of the empty trailer from the GVWR, and a good rule of thumb is to think about um, adding a little bit to that because as your needs grow or as you want to haul more things, for example, if you have two horses and they uh, both horses weigh 1,000 pounds each, consider uh, what it might be if you're hauling hay and some tack as well. So you want to add to that and not 
and make sure that you have plenty of uh, plenty of room to add more things if you wish. Before you spend money on a trailer, make sure that whatever vehicle you're using to pull it can can pull it safely. Um, a good guide, a good rule of thumb is to use a vehicle that is 1.5 times heavier than the GVW of your trailer. Um, that's very, very important. Decide on a bumper or a gooseneck trailer. That's something to think about as well. The type of trailer hitch you choose affects uh, many, many, many things. For example, a bumper trailer tends to be less expensive than a gooseneck trailer. But we all know that a gooseneck will probably go down the road a little bit uh, smoother than, say, a bumper hitch. Look at the doors and the floors, wooden floors versus aluminum, the material that they're made out of. Uh, steel trailers are much less in cost than aluminum, but steel trailers have a tendency to, to uh, rust and show, show um, their age a little bit quicker. And then, for example, consider a utility trailer. Uh, they are a wonderful uh, item to have, whether it's for storage or hauling, but they're great. Take a look at how they're put together. Uh, are the cross members 24 inches apart? Or are they 12 to 16 inches apart? And again, what the flooring material is made out of is very, very important. But just some, just some trailer tips to make life a little bit easier. Always check tires before you take off. Exactly. They Size. Fish tail on you. Yep. And the lighting. And there's so many things to Absolutely. think about. But we're going to take a break here. Tips. Word from Iowa State University. We'll be right back. Winter is coming, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to sacrifice your geraniums to a hard frost. Richard Geron from ISU is with me. And Richard, what can we do now to save some money and get a jump start for next year? Well, you can actually save your geraniums by several different methods. One is to go out in the fall before that first hard freeze, dig up the plants, uh, put those in a large pot, bring them inside, put them in a sunny window, either a west window or a south window, and basically treat them as a house plant. Now, by late winter, they'll typically get quite big and lanky, so go ahead and prune those back maybe cut them back by two-thirds, three-fourths in March. But they'll grow back and they'll be nice plants by spring. Okay, and then what are the other methods? Uh, you can take stem cuttings where you go out with a, with a sharp knife and cut off the very tips of the stems where you have a three to five inch stem cutting. Uh, pinch off the lower leaves, uh, dip those in a rooting powder, and then insert those in coarse sand or perlite. Uh, those cuttings should root in about four to six weeks. Once they do root, take them out pot them up individually using potting soil, and then put them in a sunny window. Well, that sounds like a good way to multiply your geraniums. Right. You can make quite a few plants from one good mature plant, yes. Okay. And the final method is to go ahead and dig up the plants, actually shake off the soil, so you basically end up with a bare root plant, and then place those, one or two, in a large paper sack, uh, and put them in a cool, dry place over winter. The storage temperature should be around 45 to 50 degrees. Now, the leaves will dry up, and some of the plant will actually shrivel up and die, but the base should still be alive. In March, cut them back to the live wood, pot them up. They'll start to grow in a few days, and you have these great plants. Well, that sounds like the easiest. No watering or anything? Nope. Nope. And for the lazy gardener, it's great. <laughs> okay. Real easy. All right. And if you would like more information on saving geraniums, be sure to log on to our website. For Gardening in the Zone, I'm Liz Gelman. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. 
KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company, and uh, this is the time of year where we've got some nice weather outside, finally get over that hot stuff, getting a little bit of rain, time to get out and get something done. And Gate City Seed, of course, has the grass seed to thicken in that lawn that's been suffering this whole summer long. And uh, best selection, best prices, of course, available at Gate City Seed, and flower bulbs are in. A little bit early to plant them, but we've got a great selection available, and we have a whole complete section just for... uh, Deer-proof bulbs. Very important this season. Come and see us at 824 Main in Keokuk. Welcome back to Let's Get Growing. we got a couple of minutes. We're going to wrap things up here pretty quick. And, uh, you know, the old saying of uh, check it out, a little uh, uh, preventive maintenance will save you a lot of time on the highway when you're broke down. So That's right. Make That's sure you exactly look that trailer over and your vehicle over before you take off. Exactly. Gary, I wanted, to talk, I wanted to just share with you this morning, this is just a little publication that was put together by the Honda Corporation, but it's called WeatherWise, and it is an absolutely wonderful publication. I didn't have a chance to check and see if it's available on the web, but you may want to talk with, um, um, I, I guess I would just encourage teachers to maybe think about going on the website and taking a look at, at Honda. It's called WeatherWise. It is an absolutely fantastic a uh, little publication. It was free. I received a copy of it. It is very well done. It it talks a lot about weather, cloud formations, the different kinds of fl- clouds, what the difference is between uh, cold fronts, warm fronts, El Nino, La Nina. Also, <laughs> it talks a little. Uh, it's just fabulous. You can just blame about anything. It <laughs> is. It is. It talks about measuring wind speed, definitions of precipitation. And I'm hoping that we got time, but I wanted to just share with you there's some really great things. Yes, in. you can go ahead and talk about oh, wind, wind chill. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here, it's so much fun. When milk, milkweeds close its ponds or pods, exp- expect rain. Chickweed closes their leaves before a rain. The daisy shuts its eyes before a rain. And the answer is plants are sensitive to heat and humidity. They cool themselves by transpira- transpiration giving off moisture from the stoma, which are those microscopic openings on the underside of their leaves. So plants obtain their rigidity from water pressure in their cells, and when they lose this water during the hot and humid weather, which usually comes before a warm rain, the leaves become less rigid, close up, or wilt. So there's just so many good tips in here, and it talks about woolly uh, woolly bears, and we'll talk about that next week a little bit. But there's some great stuff. It's amazing when you drive around, and you know, I mean, the forecast is it's going to rain. And you'll see the trees, they seem to take on a different look. Yep. And, and the leaves are actually cupping up to try to collect any moisture that they can get, especially in dry times like we had this year. Exactly. And, and you're seeing the underneath of the leaf instead of uh, the top part that you normally see. And you look at them and you think, wow, that tree looks a little strange. Yep, exactly. This is a great publication. It's called WeatherWise. It's from Honda. And uh, school teachers, I'd really encourage you to take a look at it, see if you can get a few extra copies and share it with your students. Um, I shared yeah, that with we'll a fifth-grade teacher I see we got to wrap things up this uh, week for Let's Get Growing. want to thank everybody for tuning in each Saturday morning at KOKX uh, at 720, uh, 1310 a.m. From all of us here at KOKX Studios in 108 Washington, thanks for listening.